Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. We're in a series right now, actually kicking off a brand new series, very short series, just three weeks long, a series that is going to lead us up to Thanksgiving. And I began to pray, God, what would you have us to do? Lord, where are we headed in this month of November? Kind of a segue month. December has to be Christmas, right? We've got to talk about Christmas in the month of December. But what do we do leading up to this? And I really felt like we were supposed to take some time to talk about a very short book of the Bible. One of my favorite books of the Bible. I, I've read it several times, and normally I read it several times a year because it's a book that just reminds me that I have a responsibility to choose joy. Did you know that you have the opportunity today to choose what kind of life you are going to live? Society is going to throw all sorts of opportunities your direction. You're going to have moments, you're going to have chances at the workplace to choose a critical spirit. You're going to have moments in your house when frustration's going on, when difficulty's going on, you're going to have an opportunity to choose resentment or doubt or discouragements. But we're going to process through a book, a, a very short book, only four chapters long, a book called Philippians. Why are we going to do this? Why are we going into this series called Choose Joy, Multiply Joy, No Matter What? Why are we going to take three weeks to look at this idea of choosing joy, because here's the deal. Too often, listen carefully, the Christian is known more for their critique than they are for their joy. Amen. <laughs> right? It's true. Too often, if you ask somebody on the street, a non-church individual, if you walk up to them and say, would you describe a Christian to me? They're going to say, well, that's that person that never smiles. That's that person that's gripey about everything. That's that person that's going to shake their finger at me and tell me all the wrong things I do, right? Because oftentimes a Christian is known more for their critique than they are for their joy. That's an issue, folks. Because over and over in the word of God, we are called to, to represent, to demonstrate who Jesus is. And Jesus is love. God is love. By definition, we're going to get to that in a moment. That's who he is. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that the Holy Spirit produces a new fruit inside of us. In other words, the characteristic of the Holy Spirit as a Christian should, come on, should take root. What is that fruit? It's love. It's joy. It's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nowhere in there do I see criticism. But we have to choose joy. I'm going to challenge you in this series. Don't only be here, but take some time to read through the book of Philippians. In fact, it's so short, you could read it every day of this month if you wanted. It's a super easy read, but it's full of all these little nuggets of information that if we would truly apply it, 
It will change, revolutionize your life. It will change the outlook of your life. It was former basketball coach John Wooden that once said this, young people need models, not critics. If we were honest with one another today, uh, we would agree that all people need models, not critics. The question is this, are we willing to model even when we disagree or even disapprove? Are we willing to, to model this idea of joy? Are we willing as Christian, as followers of Christ, are we willing to model this idea of love to a world that we disagree with? Now understand, I'm not saying do we approve of. We don't approve of the sin. But we love the individual because God loves the individual. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Come on, this world's messed up. Messed up. Yet God loved the world so much while in the midst of the wrongdoing, in the midst of the mistakes, in the midst of the failures, in the midst of the wrong choices, he sent Jesus to die for them so they could have life. And it's really easy for us to point our fingers and go, I can't believe you're doing that. But guess what? You were there once. Some of you were dirty, rotten scoundrels before Jesus stepped in. Come on, any former dirty, rotten scoundrels? Yeah, come on, a house full. I'm not going to ask you how many of you are still dirty, rotten scoundrels. <laughs> We are sinners saved by grace because of what Jesus has done, because of the love that he has for us. We've got to be willing to reach out, to choose joy, to demonstrate that joy to a world that is so far from him. You have a choice to make. How are you going to respond in life? You can choose, if you want, to be critical, negative, irritable, a grouch. By the way, if you do that, don't tell them you attend here. Tell them you go to Life Point or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pastor Rusty's a good friend of mine. I'm going to tell him I said. I'm going to text him this afternoon. Tell him I said that. No, if you're going to be grouchy, if you're going to be critical, man, don't tell him you go to church because you're tainting who Jesus is. I challenge you. Choose joy. Choose to reflect, honestly reflect who Jesus is to a broken world. It was Nehemiah that said in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. He doesn't say, man, life is going to be easy. Man, the moment you give your life to Christ, everything is going to be smooth sailing. The moment you surrender your life, you're never going to have problems again. No, you're going to have problems. In fact, the enemy, Satan, is going to hate you because of Christ. That's going to stir some issues in your life. But you have a choice. Don't be dejected. Don't be sad. But choose to walk in the joy of the Lord. That's where you're going to find 
your strength. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take some time and look at the book of Philippians and allow these nuggets of information, these nuggets of truth, these nuggets of encouragement or even correction to allow them to be embedded into the DNA of who we are. After all, we are to model joy, the joy of the Lord, not self-produced joy, not self-created joy, because that's going to be fake. Come on, there's a difference. And by the way, the world can tell whether you're genuine or fake. Right? You might as well be real. You might as well surrender it to God. You might as well follow after him. You might as well choose joy because that's the life that he has set for you. And Paul begins to share with the church of Philippi that they should continue in this pursuit with Jesus as they grow in unity, humility, joy, and peace. Come on. He, he wants them to continue in this pursuit. In other words, this is not going to be natural. It's not. It's not natural when your enemy is persecuting you. It's not natural when something is rising up against you. It's not natural when you face issues. It's not natural when you've got bad things going on to choose joy. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute. But when you choose joy in the Lord, that changes everything. Because God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. In fact, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 Paul says this, whatever happens, come on, look at your neighbor and say, whatever happens. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what you go through. Again, you're not choosing a false joy or a fake joy or a self-manifested joy, but you're choosing joy in the Lord. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Here's the question. How are you conducting yourself? Wow. That got personal real quick, didn't it? How are you conducting yourself? When you face that opposition outside of these walls, when you go through that difficulty outside, how are you going to conduct yourself? Are you living your life in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If not, what needs to change? What needs to be adjusted in your life? Is it your attitude so that what you say and, and what you do better reflects Christ? What needs to be changed? I want to talk to you for just a couple of moments about three truths when we begin to foster this heart of joy, and why am I talking about the heart? Because that's the center of all that we are. That, that's where everything happens, the very core of our existence. Three truths. Number one, a heart of joy will continue to grow even in difficulty. Come on. Even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of 
problems, even in the midst of critics coming up against you, even in the midst of issues in life, a heart of joy will continue to grow. Now, at the beginning of the book of Philippians, we see Paul addressing the church of Philippi. And before we get to what he actually says and how it applies to our lives and the change that we need to make, let's take a moment and look at what Paul didn't pray. He didn't pray that they would be happy. Right? He didn't say, well, I pray for you today that you will all be happy. He didn't pray, I pray that you'll be healthy. I mean, that's what we want. Well, would you just pray for my family that we'll be healthy, that you'll pray that we'll just be a happy family? No, that's not what Paul prayed. He didn't pray that God would take away their problems. None of these were in his prayer. He prays for people to experience a total and complete life change. A complete transformation from head to toe. He prays a God-sized prayer over them. Because how many of you know, know that only God can change us from the inside out? That's what I want for you today. Not that you come into this place and, and grab a spiritual Band-Aid and, and flop it on and, well, I'm good for today. We'll see what happens tomorrow. No, but we'll begin to apply the very word of God. We'll hide his word in our heart. That we'll digest the word of God. That we'll allow it to cut between the bone and the marrow of life. That we'll allow it to really take root and lead our steps and guide our pathway and illuminate our life in general. That we'll truly allow God to be who God desires for us to be. But that's going to that's gonna be only accomplished if we choose to walk in the joy of the Lord. It's a God-sized prayer, and it begins on the innermost part of who we are. Now, don't misunderstand this series. I am not talking about being happy in every situation in every moment. Oh, that is so great. I just totaled my car and broke my leg in five places. Praise God. That is awesome. No, that's not what we're talking about here. There's a huge difference between happiness and joy in the Lord. Happiness is everything aligns just right. Everything is happening as we think it should be. But joy, joy is found in and only in the foundation of who God is. We read it a moment ago. Nehemiah says joy is not found in perfection, but joy is found in in the Lord. Real joy is found when we choose to rest in the joy of who God is. So what is it that Paul prays in this great prayer? He prays that their love for each other would grow more and more. Love for one another isn't always easy. But the Bible says that we're to love one another, that we're to love those that persecute us, that we're to love our enemy, that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
You see, loving your neighbor, even when they're annoying, is simply a byproduct of our love for God. Because when we truly have a love for God, when we truly have surrendered to him, suddenly we're allowing our lives, our heart, our thoughts, our desires to come in unity with who he is. Suddenly we see our neighbor, we see that person that persecutes us, we see that enemy that speaks falsely against us, we see that person that causes issues for us, not through our physical eyes, but through the eyes of God and all loving God. Of God that while we were yet sinners, sent his one and only son to die on the cross. But this is gonna require that we choose joy. So yes, he prayed that their love would grow more and more for one another. He prayed that they would, this would lead them to grow in knowledge and understanding of what really matters. You know, some of the things that we think are important in life really aren't going to matter. Truth be told, in about four days, you're not going to remember what that was. If you're like me, I don't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. We're going to understand what really, really matters in life. And finally, he prays that their lives would be full of the fruits of the salvation. What is that fruit? Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that it would bring more and more praise to God. But in order for us to experience all that God wants for us, in order for them to experience all that God wanted for them, this increasing joy, Paul knows that the best thing that we can do, that he could do, was pray that they would learn to love one another, that they would choose joy, that they would make an effort to share that love. But who was Paul writing to? Surely he was writing to the sinner outside the church doors, right? Surely he was talking to that person that struggled in their walk with God. Surely, surely it was that person that was messing up all the time, right? Well, let's look. Paul says, I am writing to all of, all of God's holy people. He's writing to the church. He's writing to you and me, a group of people that should know better but sometimes choose falsely. He says, I write this to God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ, including the church leaders and deacons. From the top down, he's saying, guys, don't forget what's important. You've got to choose joy. Don't fall in the trap of letting the issues and the struggles of life to cause you to lose the joy that Jesus has made available to you. We read it over and over. Paul has learned and was demonstrating what it truly meant to be full of joy despite the situations around you. His attitude said, no matter what, it doesn't matter, makes no difference just as long as Jesus is being glorified and the gospel is being shared. That's a tough attitude. 
That's difficult to maintain for any length of time. Yet that's exactly what Paul was trying to get across to the church of Philippi, and I believe truly trying to get across to you and to me today. Look what it says in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. You see, God is in the business of taking the struggles of your life and turning them around into the victories of eternity. Let me say that again. God is in the business of taking the struggles of your life, and I don't know what the struggle that you're facing is right now, but I'd venture to say, in a room of people, this amount of people, I would venture to say, there's some struggles going on in the body. And God, listen carefully, God is in the business of taking those struggles of life and turning them around and turning them into the victories of eternity. He's ready to take your weakness and turn it into opportunities for strength. He's ready to take your brokenness and move it into a place of healing and growth. He wants to transform your sorrow into everlasting joy. After all, a heart of love that is cultivated will continue to grow in the midst of difficulty. Yet it requires that you and I choose joy. The second truth that I see is this. A heart of joy will overflow to those around you. Come on, right? How do you know? Attitudes, personalities, they're contagious. You're around that little kid that giggles all the time. What are you going to start doing? You're going to start smiling. You're going to start laughing. I walked into the worship team and we pray every Sunday morning at 8.30 and the whole team is here and I was, I was greeting them and Pastor Joe and Brittany's little girl was sitting right here on the edge of the stage. Evan, she's like two years old. And she's sitting there. I walked up to the whole team and I said, hey, good morning, guys. And she turns around and she goes, Good morning. Can I just tell you, I totally derailed on my whole conversation with the team. And I was just like, that's the cutest good morning. Give me a moment. <laughs> because that's what happens when we begin to demonstrate joy to the world. Suddenly that person that is far away from God, suddenly that person that has built up that wall of opposition, suddenly that individual that has distanced themselves because of some Christian in the past suddenly goes, pause, what? What's different? Why are you responding in such an incredible way? And that gives you an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm like this because of the joy of the Lord. Not because I figured out some magical pathway, but because I've allowed the joy of the Lord to take root inside of my life. 
A heart of joy will overflow to those around you. I quoted it on the onset of the message, but what we need more than anything else today is not more critics pointing out what is wrong. What we need are more models, more Christians demonstrating what is right. There has to be a definitive line that demonstrates what it truly means to be a Christ follower and who Jesus is. Paul said in verse 4 and 5, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. Paul says we're in this together. We have one mission. We have one purpose. We are one church. Here at Encounter Church, one of our core values is this. We are unifiers not dividers. We are unifiers, not dividers. We do what we can to bring the body together, to work with one purpose, to work as one function, not dividing, not being critical, not cutting each other down, but walking side by side, unified together. Another one takes it a step further and says we are all about the mission. What is our mission? Love, reach, and power. That's our mission. In other words, the Great Commission. Go everywhere and tell everyone about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's love reaching power. Paul says it all begins by demonstrating this partnership one with another. Now, let me remind you who God is. First John chapter 4 says it this way. God is, say it with me, love. Come on, say it with me. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Come on. How is that? Because suddenly our desires become his desires. We just talked about it, right? Our our thoughts come in alignment with who he is. He begins to transform us from the inside out, a total life change. God is love, and those of us that walk in God walk in that love, and that love begins to take root inside of us, and our love begins to grow. We love each other. We love each other because he loved us first. But listen to this. This this is real. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. What? If we say that we, we love God, oh God, I give you praise, Lord, I honor you, God, I worship you, what are they doing here? There's a disconnect in our walk with Christ. Well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I understand that. I'm not saying that you've got to be best chums. I'm not saying that you've got to be BFFs and walk arm in arm together all day long. But could you begin to give it to God? Could you begin to surrender it to him? Let him take over? Because the battle's not yours. The battle's his. Just lay it in his lap. Because he says, if you say you love God, but you hate a fellow believer, that person's a liar. If we don't love people, we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? 
this heart that we're talking about today that's cultivated in love has a result, a byproduct, which is joy that must be demonstrated by all that we say and all that we do. It's a regular part of who we are as a Christian. If that is missing, there's a disconnect in our relationship. We've missed the mark, and it's time once again to step back in to who he is, to allow all that God is to become the reality of who we are. Now, why is this important? Because the eternal destiny of your life and those around you is in the balance. We must learn to choose joy, to lead down a path of hope, to represent a future that God has. Yet for too long, all that the church has demonstrated is what we're against, not what we're for. We're quick to point out the sin, but slow to point to the Savior. We're quick to share our disapproval, but we fail to demonstrate a life of joy, this life that is contagious. It will, if applied, overflow into the broken, hopeless, sin-filled world. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, and because of my imprisonment, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. What? He's in prison, and yet he's still sharing the joy of the Lord? Paul chose joy even in the midst of imprisonment. Why was he there? He was there for sharing the good news of Christ. He had to make a choice. Would he choose joy or settle into the pity party of self-sorrow? And I wonder about you. What about you? If you were in his situation or even in the circumstance you're in right now, are you going to choose joy or this pity party of self-sorrow? I'm so glad that Paul chose joy, that his choice has made a difference in so many lives, in your life and in my life today. And truly, this choice of joy in the midst of sorrow, if we allow it to do so, it will overflow into those around us. And finally, truth number three, a heart of joy is a daily choice you must make. Come on, daily choice. I don't know about you, but I hate mornings. With all that is in me, I hate mornings. So for me to get up in the morning, I have to choose joy. Truth. I'm one of these, I'd rather sleep, like on my day off, it'd be 1030, I'm getting out of bed. Glory, hallelujah. So I love times like this morning when I get an extra hour of sleep. That's why I'm like, come on, let's go. But I have to choose joy. But it's a daily choice. Why? Because what you choose to do day in and day out becomes part of the DNA of your life. Whether you like it or not, it's true. What you do is ultimately who you are. Right? 
what you do is ultimately who you are. The choices that you make determine the life that you live and will leave for future generations. So I wonder, what's that legacy look like? Paul says, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold as I have been in the past. Paul says, no matter what I face, no matter what I come up against, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to unashamedly choose joy to boldly proclaim the good news of Christ. And then he says in verse 27, he says, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. He reminds them, we're in this together. We're unifiers. We're here to multiply. We're here with a mission of spreading the good news of Jesus to a world that is lost without him. And I'd say this to you, the choice is yours. And the choice that you make has the potential to impact not only those in your circle of influence, but generation after generation after generation to come. I'm gonna challenge you today. Choose joy. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.